Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith and I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, I want to go ahead and welcome you, especially if you're here for the first time online in person. Church, can we go ahead and put our hands together for those people who are here? Hope you feel right at home and we're excited about what God might speak into your life today. Well, we're in the middle of a series, as you've seen, um, called True-ish. We started last week with a message uh, that kind of framed the whole series about what true-ish might be and what true-ish is potentially not. And, and, and talking about how sometimes when we present truth, it can be quite hard for the person who's trying to, because if you veered away from truth, well, well, if the truth is in the center and you veered off course, then, then there's potentially offense. There's, I might come across, or somebody trying to present truth in a loving way could come across as dangerous. It might even come across a, a, as someone who's ignorant. And so, and so we're trying to ask some questions. We've invited you to come on a journey with us. And uh, we're not forcing you to believe anything, but let's ask some questions. Are we on track with that? Is everyone okay with that? Good. So today's message is called, As Long As You're Happy. Come on, don't put your hand up, but how many times have we give people advice? Or maybe not asking for advice, and you've just said, as long as you're happy, that's all that matters. That's the bottom line, right? So, so let's, ask, let's dig a wee bit deeper. Next week, we're actually going to talk about it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere in your belief. So that's going to be next week. As long as you're sincere, that's all that matters. We'll talk about that next week. But let's start with the Scriptures. In Psalm 97 and 12, it says this. Now, help me out here. It says, May all, may all who are godly be happy. Because, you know, we know that verse in, in Jeremiah 29, 11, for God knows the plans for us, plans to prosper us, to bless us, to make us happy. It's a good God. He's got great plans. He's for you. Yeah. See, it sounds right. Some of that is true. But that statement I just read out is true, or that verse is true-ish. Because God is good, and God does want to prosper you. He does want to bless you, but, but that Scripture is true-ish. It's close. It seems right. It even, might even feel right. Someone's preaching that, and you're telling all these good things. God wants you happy. Yeah. Amen. It's part of it's true, but it mightn't be the full truth. True-ish. You know, sometimes that's how we live our life, that the bottom line, our bottom line is that we would be happy. If it doesn't make me happy, it must not be God. It must not be good because I'm not happy. It's nearly as if we, we treat God like a sweetie machine. What do you do with a sweetie machine? Anyone love the sweetie machines? Or maybe a Coke machine? And you go up, you put the money in, I give you what you want, and you give me what I want. 
and I'm happy. Come to church. Give God what He wants. Now God make me happy. And here's the problem with that is there's some people who have tried God and, and, and they believe that God failed. Why? Oh, I tried the religion thing. I tried the God thing. It didn't, it didn't work for me. It didn't make me happy. I tried all that. I, you know, I'd done the whole read the Bible thing. I'd done the whole try to put God first thing, but it didn't make, didn't work. It didn't make me hap- happy. And, and so this often, this idea of happy is, can sometimes be dangerous because how often you, you go to a talk show o- online or, or on the TV, you hear Oprah, and she's just saying, as long as you're happy, you know, all the religions are the same, as long as you're happy, that's all that matters. Or you go on uh, to Amazon, I looked up on Amazon there and typed in happy, there's over 200,000 things came up on that search. Happy birthday. Pharrell Williams, happy. Books about happiness, how to be happy in 10 days. Anyone read, read that one? I'm writing that next week. Pete's going to help me. <laughs> how do, we're bombarded with this idea of happy. I've heard time and time, countless times where people have told their friends, as long as you're happy, or parents have told their kids, as long as you're happy. When it comes to relationships, as long as you're happy, that seems to be the bottom line that we can so easily believe, and I've fallen into that trap many a time too, and got confused. It's led me down a path I never wanted to go because I thought the bottom line was to be happy. And listen, as we talked about last week, the devil is crafty, he's cunning, he's not going to just come out and make it obvious that this is a lie. He gives us counterfeits, it looks right, it seems right, but it's just not true. It's true-ish. We bow down and worship the false God of happiness. It says in Proverbs 14 and 12 this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death, to destruction, to failure, to brokenness, to nowhere. To the end, the pursuit of happiness. Anyone watch that? That's a movie, right? Pursuit of happiness bombarded again. Netflix. It's a bit like Froggy. You know, a frog. It's like a frog. I heard this story about a frog being in a saucepan. The frog's in the saucepan, and the saucepan's turned on, and it's gradually beginning to heat up, and Froggy's excited because, oh my word! This person's put me in a warm bath. <laughs> and as it gets hotter and hotter, oh my word, it's not just a warm bath, it's a jacuzzi, a froggy jacuzzi. Froggy's getting excited, it seems right, it, I'm happy right now, this is great. We're at about 30 degrees, but 30, it's about the sweet spot for the jacuzzi, maybe 40. But all of a sudden it hits 40 and it keeps increasing and bubbles start to appear and the bubbles aren't from the water And all of a sudden, what seemed right for Froggy led to destruction. Froggy was excited. That's how often life happens for us. The things that make us happy initially, it's what happens in the full picture. Yeah, the first five chapters of the book are happiness. What, What are the last five like? What's the end of the story look like for Froggy? 
So we're going to talk about a few thoughts in regards to the theology of happiness. That honestly, we probably all believed a little bit. Maybe swayed in and out from black to white in our lifetime. We probably believe what the culture, the current of the culture will drag us in. Have you ever seen a rushing river? Well, that's like the culture, the current of the culture is like a rushing river. And sometimes when we jump in, it's very easy to go with it. Get, jump on your rubber ring and just go with what everyone else is doing. So we're going to talk about some things that culture would tell us and then some things which are countercultural, which I believe Jesus would tell us. See, without a belief that there's an absolute truth, truth is defined by what makes me happy. If you don't believe there's anything as absolute truth, then all you've got is feelings. There is no truth to stand on. And so we talked about this last week, you're left with relativism or subjectivism. Relativism is the assumption that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Truth is evolving. What used to be true is not true today. We talked about how 30 years ago, genders, if I was to ask a kid about how many genders there were, they would, I, I would bank my house on it, they would say two. But I wouldn't do that today. Why? Because the truth of society and culture seems to have evolved. Whereas I done research on Google and it said today there's 112 genders. So there's something, something not quite right if truth is absolute. Subjectivism is the belief that I, the subject, have the right to determine what is right and wrong without submitting my judgment to authority outside of myself. So, you know, my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. Now, I know, I know you like to do church that way or God that way. I like to do it my, my way. You know, it's just my, my life, my, my way. I've created this idea. You know, this is why we go to India and I think there's the most religions per square mile in all of the world. There's like a thousand plus because everyone's truth is their own truth. It's subjective. It's relative. There's no true, absolute truth in their opinion. Happiness comes by the standard by which I judge my actions. But if you have no framework for that, then happiness can come at all costs. So let me give you an example. Well, you know, I was married, but you know, I'm just not happy anymore. And, but there's a woman at work, and she makes me happy. She's telling me all the things I like to hear about myself. So, so because happiness is my bottom line, well, when that's okay to do then because happiness is what my target is. That's what I'm trying to get to. So unfortunately, that marriage, you know, it was, I was happy for a while, but not happy anymore. And so I'm going to go ahead and, and pursue happiness. Or maybe... You believe money will make you happy, so therefore, you know, if I could just have more money, I could be happy, and so I'm going to do whatever it takes to get that money, because if I get the money, I'm happy. And so it really doesn't matter what I do or where I go to get the money or who I contact to get the money. As long as I get the money, I can be happy, and so therefore, that's the bottom line. Whatever makes me happy, you can begin to believe that whatever makes you happy must be right. That is your truth now, because happiness is your bottom line. 
since there's no absolute truth. So if, happy, if something you're in right now is not making you happy, then what happens is it must be what? If happiness is right, unhappiness is then wrong. And so therefore, I've, I've justified my way to do something because I'm not happy, if that's your bottom line. So without knowing it, we begin to worship the false god of comfort. We get into this illusion that, that money, pleasure, and all these types of things are, are what makes us happy, so that's what we're aiming for. We don't want any kind of inconvenience. We don't want to have to wait. Patience, anything like that is not okay because it doesn't make me happy. It's wrong. It must be wrong then because I'm not happy. You see where we're going with this? All of those things about making me happy are true ish statements. So let's talk about some countercultural statements. Watch this. God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. Because God's bottom line isn't happiness, it's truth. It's not that God doesn't want you happy, He doesn't want you happy when it leads you to doing something unwise or destructive. I remember talking to this kid um, who came to church a while back uh, in, in a previous season, and I'd actually seen him go through the school system, and he, he got expelled from school because he didn't want to do the homework, and he didn't want to sit through the 30-minute lessons. Why? He wasn't happy. And so then he went into the, the behavioral system, um, and it's, it wasn't a, it was a school for kids that were struggling with behavior, and went into that, and he couldn't sit through, he couldn't get through until he was 16 without nearly getting removed from it. Why? He didn't want to do work. Work didn't make him happy. He didn't want to have, to have patience. He didn't want to have to come under authority of, of anybody because it didn't make him happy. And that was the bottom line. And then he got out of that and went into the world of work. And as far as I'm aware, to this day, he hasn't held a job over one week. Because when they tell him he's not allowed to have a smoke break more than X amount of times, but, but it makes me happy. And he gets fired time and time. There's a cycle. There's a pattern. And it's built on the foundations of the false God of happiness. And it might seem right to him, and it might even feel right and justified in his own mind, but the, really the subconscious, deep-rooted problem is he believes the bottom line is to be happy. And all it is doing, it is destroying his life. Not just destroying his life from a, a world of work point of view, it's destroying relationships. Because, listen, when someone has a, a bottom line of happiness, you cannot trust that person. Because happen, happiness comes and then it goes. There's seasons of happiness in our life. And so it says here in 1 Peter 1 and 15, but just as he who has called you to be happy, or called you is happy, so be happy in all you do, for it is written, be happy because I am happy. Right? <laughs> wrong. 
But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So the bottom line for God is not happy, but holy. I remember I spoke to a friend of mine, and he had went through some stuff, and I hadn't seen him in I went to university with him and hadn't seen him in years, and I was kind of asking him, how's life, how's things, how's the family? I noticed he hadn't his ring on any longer, and I was like, hey, what's the deal? Um, you know, how's the wife? He's like, ah, oh, we're not together. And you can guess his response. His response was, oh, we're not together, I just wasn't happy. And so, so happiness is how you felt at a time in a certain season of your life. But I guess my, with my living understanding, but, but understanding what happens in the marriage vows, especially as I'm starting to have to marry a few more people, I started to realize, but, but, but what happened when you had the holy matrimony? Not the happy matrimony for better or for for worse, and I'm not saying this to make maybe some people in here and you have done the same. I'm not saying this to condemn you or make you feel bad, but more to make the point that we got to be careful about truish statements, truish beliefs. We got to be aware that the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, just ready. And listen, we might have we've all made mistakes. I'll hold two hands up. We've all got it wrong. We've all believed true statements. But let's make sure the second time around, or the third time around, that we get it right. Life is all about sanctification, learning, growing, taking the past and learning from it, as we said earlier. See, happiness, as a bottom line, gives us permission to do things that would otherwise be wrong. That's the problem with having happiness as a bottom line. It gives us permission to do something that would be unjust or wrong. So, for instance, you might say, oh, Phil, I know I've heard you look after your dad, but the kick, it just makes me so flipping happy. Or, or, or you might say, I know I don't need any more clothes, but when I go to the shops, I'm feeling down, and I see this piece of clothing. It just makes me, I just feel, I feel happy. Even, I know I'm broke, I know I'm in debt, but it, sure, but sure, it makes me happy. That's the, no one in here is guilty of that, no? <laughs> see, sometimes we buy things that we don't need to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> We're watching everyone and we're trying to impress people, but we're often trying to impress people that we don't, we're competing against, we don't even like. And th- th- those people might not even like you either. So what are we doing? We're broke for what? For nothing. <laughs> but but even, e- e- even further on, some of you might be, you know, I've, I've heard in, in church about no sex before marriage and stuff like that. But you're know, my guy. Come on, Phil. I'm a guy, I'm a red-blooded male. Come on. It makes me happy. 
Why would I wait? Because my bottom line is happiness. Or maybe even, oh, I'm in a marriage right now, and, there's, and I'm not talking about myself, by the way. But maybe you're in a situation, and there's maybe a struggle for intimacy, and so you're dealing with it in a way that looks like porn. I know I've heard some things, you shouldn't do these things or, or, or whatever, but it makes me, it makes me happy. It, you know, it's, it's, it's a way that I think will help me to get through this season and it'll fix my problem for a temporal period of time. And I think it's just going to, it seems right, it feels right, deals with it on the short term. So, so, so surely it, I can justify that with the theology of happiness. See, God doesn't want you happy, He wants you holy. He doesn't want you happy. So this is a question that a lot of us have, and we've all done this probably as we see the current of the world pulling us into its grips. Here's an equation. Equation, better possessions plus peaceful circumstances plus thrilling experiences plus the right relationships plus the perfect appearance equals happiness. So uh, often what we do the rest of our life is we spend all of our time chasing some parts of this in the hope that one day we would eventually find happiness. But often what happens when we get there, we realize it wasn't, the fantasy that we create in our mind wasn't real in the end. Has anyone ever done that where you've had an idea about, oh, if I could just have this car, just have this piece of clothing, if I could just have this relationship, if I could just be around these kinds of people, then I would be happy. And, and you believe it, it seems right, it feels right, but then you get there and you feel the same way that you did because the problem was really on the inside of you. And the problem with the situation is that you're still there. You can move city, you can move town, you can move house, you can move country, you can move banks. <laughs> but if there's a problem in your soul, in your heart, and it's not filled, the problem remains. Temporal possessions will not fix the whole. It won't make you happy because happy is not the goal. It says here in 1 John 2 and 15 and 17, do not love the world. Countercultural. Don't attach yourself to the things. Don't try and think that if I could get this, I will be whole. Or anything in the world, if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Meaning, you cannot receive the love of the Father because you're, why? You're looking the wrong way, in the wrong place, in the wrong faces. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world temporal idea of happiness. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. See, God gave us a promise that we can have heaven on the earth, that we can find fullness and wholeness while living here in this temporal situation. That we don't have to, to follow the cultural curve of thinking that happiness works in the long run. That Jesus came to set us free with what? The truth. See, God wants you not happy. He wants you blessed. I know that's a, that's a, a real cliche in the Christian circle. So blessed and highly favored. 
I know we've heard that, and sometimes it can get old, and sometimes we lose the meaning, but this is what it means. It means, in the original language, makiaris, arios, hey, Macarena. I think that's close. It means supremely blessed and more than happy. Supremely blessed and more than happy. So deeper than happy. You see, watch this. Happiness is because of something that happened. It's a temporal situation that affects us. Got new clothes, new car, new stuff, new friends, new followers. Happy for a wee while. But it's saying this is more than that. It's deeper than that. It's, it's beneath that. It's stronger than that. It's bigger than that. It's more expansive than that, than just a happening. Now, watch this. Blessed is more than that. So, so here's the question because sometimes we're like, we get all mixed up. Well, what is blessed? What is unhappiness? What's the difference? If I'm unhappy, surely that's the opposite. No, the opposite of blessed is not unha- to be unhappy. The opposite of blessed is to be cursed. Let that sink in. Because you know what happens with a curse? A, you know, we talk about the gift that keeps on giving. Curse is something that keeps on cursing. A curse or a blessing is rooted in our beliefs. See, there's a, there's a word in the Bible that talks about iniquity. Iniquity is a pattern of sin. It's a curse. Some people would talk about a family curse or generational curse. Really, that, that's another word for something that keeps on bringing sin or, or, or something that rises to the surface that's not of God's best. And it's passed on through a pattern. You see your father, you copy your father. Your son sees you, he copies you. His son sees him, he copies him. It's a pattern. It's a curse. But when you're blessed because of who you believe in, because you believe in Jesus and he's Lord and you lose your life on his behalf, then you truly gain it and you're blessed. It's more than happy. What is more than happy? Just like that last song we sang, it looks like an anchor in a storm. More than happy means that when you come up against friction, against resistance, you don't leave. You don't move away. You don't run. You say, no, this is time for my anchor to my soul. This is time to release the anchor until this storm passes. This is time to face the fear. This is time to face the problem and ask the grace of God to give me what I need to endure it. It's not time to just run away. You don't see, someone who runs away from problems is not somebody who is strong or, or somebody who can be trusted. A, a friend who would cave in to social pressures and talk about you behind your back is not someone you would trust. But a friend who would stand up for you even when they're going to be disliked because they're friends with you is a friend that you can trust. Why? Because they got an anchor. They'll press through the problem. They'll face the storm and stay put and stay straight and not move. And that's the kind of 
boldness and strength and confidence that Jesus died to give us. But it's not with a bottom line of happy. It's with a bottom line of holy. There's going to be times where the church and you as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you're going to come against resistance. People might persecute. Might. So, did you know the early church, they died. The apostles, disciples, they died for the faith. They had confidence. They had boldness. They weren't putting their trust in earthly matters. They, were in, they had a heavenly mindset. Maybe we've, over, we've put too much attention on earthly matters. Maybe our mindset, we're too attached to building a kingdom in this world. Maybe it's overrated. And maybe a heavenly mindset has been underrated. But it should be overrated. It should be expanded. It says in in Psalms 112 verses 1, and we'll finish in these upcoming verses, blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands, in His ways, in His truth. Max Licato gave this example of, of a fish. And it was about a fish, you know, think about a fish. He got, got everything that he wanted. He was on the beach, had a deck chair. How do we, we drink with ice in it and a lemon on the side. Magazine, perfect temperature outside. How, do you think the fish would enjoy that? No. Why? Because the fish wasn't designed for the beach. The fish is designed for the water. So you can give the fish all you think it might want, all you think it might need, but the fish can't enjoy that because it's not created for the beach. It's created for the water. It's the same as us. How many times have you been to a funeral and it seems it's not right for someone to die because your mindset is eternal? Your mindset is built on, oh, wait, 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 there should be more than this. You're right, there is. We're not created for the earth because it ends. But there's a part of us that doesn't end and doesn't want to end. And Jesus came to expose that so he could bring heaven to the earth and we could be eternal in the way that he had designed us to be. Can I get an Amen. You weren't made to live a temporary life. So let's lower our expectation of this world and higher our expectation of eternity in heaven. And let's call down heaven to earth to remind us of it. It says in Psalm 97, May all who are godly rejoice in the Lord and praise His holy name. His holy name. Does the band come ahead on up? We'll finish out with one last song. But I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you in this room online, how many of you know of someone who is justifying something, a behavior, a situation, a relationship by being happy? Who knows someone like that. Have a think. If you know someone like that, go ahead and put your hand up. I've got mine up. 
I know about a thousand people like that. Okay, put your hands down. Basically, everyone should have put your hands up because you know. Because we hear that statement so, so often. Now, go ahead, let's go ahead and stand. And ask this question. Let's make it a little bit more personal. How many of us in here, if you were really honest, have justified maybe a situation that was unwise? Or maybe you knew probably shouldn't be doing that, but you've justified it by happiness. Who would be honest enough and put their hand up and say, yeah, I've done that. I'll put my hand up. <laughs> Let me put them two up. See, when we're worshiping in church, that's what we're really saying. And so right now, let's ask the Holy Spirit just to come and help us to make that right. Help us to be brave and actually come under God's holy name and make some holy decisions. Not because God doesn't want you to be miserable, but He wants you to be blessed. Not in the short term, just in the long run. See, a plant, when it grows, it starts so small and insignificant but it can grow into the mightiest of trees. But it takes time. You've got to wait. There might be a few storms. But if you want to live the life God has called you to live and bring heaven to earth, it's not going to look like a temporal quick fix. It's not going to look like ignoring the truish ideas and beliefs that we have. It's going, to, it's going to look like humility. It's going to look like surrender. It's going to look like letting go of previous ideas that the culture has taught you and surrendering yourself under God's mighty hand. And then your soul will be filled. And then your soul will be at peace. And you'll be truly blessed. And you'll see God begin to move you forward like you couldn't do yourself. It's powerful. It's important. Life and death is in the balance, really. It's sobering. Maybe there's someone in here and you're like, Phil, it's time for me to stop believing a lie that the culture has taught me for too long that I can live life inside of myself. That I can just go my own way and, and hope that it would just work out and do my own thing. Listen, this, this world is so much bigger than every one of us. Not one of us gave ourselves the permission to breathe our first breath. Not one of us created that situation for the protein molecules to come together. Not one of us has that kind of power on this earth. No man that breathes on this earth can, can say that they have that kind of strength, power, and might. There, there's no one. There is a creator. There is a God. Jesus did come and die and rise again. There is absolute truth. But it's your choice. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariachurch.org and give now. And we will see you next time on the Ariat Church Podcast.